Hi, this is Dr. Bill Renner. I myself am board certified in internal medicine and radiology. I am honored to moderate a series of podcasts focused on topical evidence-based health and wellness issues and opportunities featuring Dr. Alan Safdie. Dr. Allen is board certified in internal medicine and gastroenterology and a fellow of the American College of Gastroenterology. In addition to achieving a position of acclaim in his primary field, visits to India, African, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Cuba to study and lecture on healthcare have led him to become laser focused on preventative medicine and wellness, not just illness and treatment. And Allen lives the need to incorporate diet, exercise, and alternative approaches to wellness. The information he sources is from peer-reviewed evidence-based research. Dr. Allen himself has been principal investigator in about 300 clinical research studies and co-investigator about 900 clinical research studies to date and has lectured around the world. All of his studies have been peer-reviewed in major medical journals. Dr. Safdie firmly believes everyone is entitled to his own opinion but not his own facts. Uh, Dr. Allen and I have the regular uh, medical podcast on Apple like this one. The subject today is persistent symptoms after acute COVID-19. Allen, tell us about persistent symptoms after COVID-19 acute illness. Yeah, Bill, that's a great question. I mean, we have to realize that COVID-19 is a systemic illness. What I mean is it doesn't just involve your lungs. And as you mentioned previously, and you may want to mention your studies on asymptomatic people looking at CAT scans of their lungs, and then I can discuss the rest of that. So why don't you tell everybody about even people without symptoms, what their lungs look like? Yeah, it's, it's really a fascinating. Uh, people that are positive for COVID-19, even patients who are totally asymptomatic, the vast majority of them will have uh, abnormal features on high-resolution chest CT. That is, they'll have an area of their lung that um, the alveoli, those exchange units in the lung, are filled, uh, appear to be uh, filled with fluid or some other debris. So that even if you uh, are asymptomatic with COVID-19, your chest, uh, your high-resolution chest CT will show areas of disease throughout the lung. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, and, and the sad part is we don't know what that means long-term. We don't know if these people are going to have more shortness of breath with exercise long-term. Um, and I've seen patients, some in their 30s, that even months later have persistent symptoms. So we have one of the better studies published in the Journal of the American Medical Association that looked at what happens to people long-term after having COVID-19. So you know the common symptoms when you have the disease, cough, fever, you know, shortness of breath, musculoskeletal symptoms, meaning your muscles hurt, your joints hurt, you're tired as can be. Gastrointestinal symptoms are very common. Um, so you could have diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, you know, the inability to smell, a lot of neurologic problems um, because this disease can involve your blood vessels. You can end up with little micro clots in different places. You can end up, when we do a colonoscopy, the vast majority of people have little ulcerations that may be ischemic, meaning not enough blood supply getting to areas of the colon. So the question is, what happens um, to these symptoms after what we say is recovery, meaning, okay, we discharge them from the hospital or we discharge them to medical care. 
So what they did is they looked at people that had symptoms and they had people from April through the end of May and they looked at these patients and what percentage of these patients um, do you think had persistent symptoms? Um, more than uh, 50 percent. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're right. It, it was 87.4 percent. So yeah, there that's was even higher than I. Than I... <laughs> I remember reading the article. I don't remember it being that high, but that's pretty impressive. Eighty percent—that's that's the vast majority of patients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you only had twelve point six percent of patients that had no symptoms, and this is a long time after recovery. Um, so these are patients who recovered from COVID nineteen, and they at least had one symptom. It doesn't mean that it was particularly only one symptom. A lot of them had fatigue. A lot of them had shortness of breath. Um, you know, a lot of them, they didn't have all the symptoms of the acute illness, but worse in quality of life was observed in about half the patients. Um, so it is. Yeah, a, that, that, there's a lot of complaints about cognitive uh, problems too. people having trouble with their memory or talking normally or uh, remembering words, uh, even in young people, not, not just the elderly. No, it, it, this disease involves your brain, it involves your lungs. We can see decreased heart function in some of the patients, decreased lung function in some of the patients, de decreased neurologic function in some of the patients. We don't have a long enough follow-up um, to determine you know, how bad this is going to be long-term. So people were looking at the deaths, and, and the deaths are enormous. Um, well beyond, you know, we have 5% of the world's population. We have over 25% of the world's deaths. We spend the most on healthcare and we're abysmal in preventing spread of this disease. Yeah, I'd also like to comment is that, that I personally believe this death numbers are very, very low because they're not counting people in nursing homes which are huge numbers, uh, huge numbers of deaths. And also, if you have a heart attack or a stroke, which is directly related to the COVID virus causing coagula coagulability, that is, there caused a clot in your heart causing a heart attack or a clot in your brain causing a stroke. And if you die from that, the cause of death is not uh, listed as COVID. It's listed as either a heart attack or a stroke. So we're way underestimating the number of deaths from COVID in the United States. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the, you know, the consequences, and we're not even following up to see how many patients had heart attacks three and six months later. Uh, we did that for influenza. So, you know, if we look back for influenza, another serious viral illness, but, you know, on a on a multitude factor, much less infectious and much less serious than this, although it's terribly serious. You know, it accounted in some years 140,000 all the way up to 800,000 hospitalizations, and some years down to 12,000 deaths, some years up to like 61,000 deaths. Um, but influenza, we know, can even affect the heart and circulatory system. So if you look at people, a you know, a healthy heart may be able to handle breathing difficulties and increased blood pressure and increased heartbeat. Um, but the same might not hold true for some people, as you mentioned, in a nursing home. So we know that from influenza are people even at home that don't have the healthiest of hearts. So what we've noticed is post-influenza, uh, there's an increase in acute cardiovascular events. 
heart failure. So they may have heart failure. They may have ischemic heart disease, meaning a heart attack. So for many months after having influenza, there's an increased risk of death from cardiovascular events. And I think we're going to find the same thing with COVID-19, that we're going to have deaths we're not going to attribute to COVID-19, as we didn't attribute some of these flu deaths to the flu, um, because they died well after recovering from the influenza. So I think that, you know, we need to consider that, you know, we're going to have more morbidity, meaning more illness secondary to COVID-19 than we ever thought before. All right, Alan. Well, this is, uh, that's been a fascinating uh, topic um, for discussion today. Um, thank you so much for your insights in medicine. Uh, they always you always bring a lot to the table with your evidence based uh, medicine. If, if people like this podcast and want to encourage uh, the distribution of evidence based medicine, uh, please uh, uh, please go ahead and subscribe uh, to our podcast and tell your friends about it. Alan, do you have any comments? No, but Get your flu shot this year. If you're older, get the high-dose flu shot. Talk to your physicians about it. Um, you know, we really, patients that were vaccinated against influenza that still got it, as long as their vaccine was two weeks prior to hospitalization, had significantly lower risk for acute heart failure or significant ischemic heart disease, meaning a heart attack, compared with unvaccinated patients. So we have antiviral treatment for influenza. Um, make sure you talk to your physicians about that if you get it. But I, my recommendation would be, and talk to your physicians, is, you know, especially the older individuals or people that smoke or people who have underlying disease, diabetes, renal disease, make sure you get vaccinated for influenza this year. All right. Uh, thank you uh, very much, Alan. Thanks, Bill.